You guys ready to chop it up? I miss you. As you guys know, Chop It Up, the home of unfiltered conversation, bi-weekly. You guys already know we have the best guests speaking about business, lifestyle, mental health. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for tonight, you guys. I met actually offline. I met this uh, gentleman offline and we had such a great conversation, very organic. I said to him, you gotta come on the podcast. People need to hear your story and inspire others. So I'm so excited. He's laughing right now, you guys. I'm so excited that he obliged and he came on. Before I get into the bio, guests, are you ready to chop it up? I'm ready to chop it up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Awesome. Awesome. So, guys, we have the special honor of speaking with Brandon Hurst. He is the only, he's the only, you guys, listen to me, the only franchise franchisee, a uh, franchise owner of the Chick-fil-A in Brooklyn. It's located in Flappish and Atlantic. You guys remember what I said? He is the only, the sold owner of a franchisee. Yes. Amazing. Brandon, he is a natural entrepreneur. He has been with the company for 11 years. Well, you said 13, right? Mm -hmm. 13 years. And five, which he spent as a local owner. He is heavily invested in development of his team members. In addition, uh, he provides support for community organizations uh, on financial literacy, education for the youth, and performing arts as a form of character and leadership development. Brandon, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome to Chop It Up. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here tonight on Chop It Up. I can't wait to just chop it up with you, share that unfiltered conversation just about life's ups and downs and our journey. Uh, so I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of our um, community here. So as I said, yeah, our conversations are truly to inspire a lot of the speakers, guest speakers we've had just talking about activism, right? And this season, we spoke about activism in terms of leadership, in terms of investing, in terms of just being an advocate for yourself. And tonight, we are talking about activism in terms of ownership that's big right now and so it, it's so um imperative to have the conversation and you being the only the, the sole owner to chick-fil-a that's amazing so before we jump into it how who is brandon Hurst? yeah that's a very good question and, and, and thank you so much well so I, i'm originally from atlanta georgia born and raised to a single mother and um Man, I'm Brandon is just I'm encompassing of, of, of so much. And so I, I would like to say I, I get my drive from my mom, who at the time that I was born was only given like a couple of years to live. And gratefully, I was uh, fortunate to have her until I turned the age of 12. And so actually, when I was born, they told her that she would only live to see me turn five. And so I remember walking home one day. First day after band practice, opened the door and man, the most tragic thing. I saw my mom laying on there on the floor, on the living room floor. And that just completely flipped my life upside down. Um, she was diagnosed with congestive heart failure at that, at that moment. Um, and so for us, my older brother and I was really just about, hey, how do we survive? How do we keep the lights on in the house? And so... I remember at a very young age, I was always looking to help my mom out around the house and bring additional resources into the household. And so one day my mom had this huge jar of dill pickles that she brought home. And 
I don't know what came over me, but I decided to sell it to my friends in the neighborhood. And so she comes home and she's like, Brandon, what happened to my jar of dill pickles? I'm like, first, why you call my name first? Like I got an older brother, right? And so we're standing in front of the refrigerator and I said, well, mom, I, I sold them to my friends in the neighborhood. And she said, well, how much did you sell them for? And I said, 50 cents. Next thing I know, she said, she smacked me in the face and was like, as big as those pickles were, you could at least hold them for a dollar. And so all I remember from that particular day was chasing my friends down the street saying, hey, my mom said you owe me 50 cents more for those pickles. And so (laughs) that's actually what kind of gave us the idea to become the neighborhood candy lady or or the candy house, if you will. And so from there, curiosity just continued to grow. And I remember I had this hard shell Ninja Turtle lunchbox and I would grab a handful of candy out on the way to catch the bus and started selling it to friends and in school and just grew that. And so much so by the time I graduated high school, I had two people working for me and was doing over $300 a day in sales. And so kind of hit a rough patch in, in high school and all I remember when it came time to go to college, I just wanted to, to get away. I was always driven, right? So academically smart, uh, wasn't necessarily the sports guy, but performing arts, whether it was drama, music, I could pick up instruments and it just come natural to me. Um, and so get ready to go to college. And here I am kind of first want to go to college in the family really didn't have a whole lot of guidance, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to go to law school. And so I applied to several different schools. I think it's like 14 different colleges that I applied and 12 of which were all out of the state of Georgia. And I remember the day before graduation, my grandmother calls me and she says, Hey, Brandon, you got a letter from Alabama state university, which is a historically black college university in Montgomery, Alabama. And so I said, okay, go ahead, grandma, open it up. So she reads it. She was like, baby, they want to give you a free uh, presidential scholarship. And I'm like, Oh, they want to give me a free ride. And (laughs) mind you, I didn't go on any college tours. I was literally making my decision based on who was going to give me the most money. And so Mm. gratefully, I was blessed in that last moment to get a full presidential scholarship to the Alabama State University, uh, which, like I said, which is located in Montgomery, Alabama. And so I remember driving, crossing that, that, that state line and you slowly but surely start to see the city line disappear. And I'm like, what did I just get myself into driving these backwoods of uh, Montgomery, Alabama? And in hindsight, I, I share that it was probably one of the best decisions that I ever could have made because it was actually there. Uh, a lot of the friendships that I've made, relationships that I've built and just graduating from a college of business, um, that has really helped shape and, and the leadership opportunities that I got there was so crucial to who and how I am today, how I lead today. And so, and it was actually where I got introduced to the Chick-fil-A brand. So oh. uh, ironically enough, although I'm from Atlanta, I knew nothing about the Chick-fil-A brand. It was right. quite honestly, it was always too expensive for my family and I. So the, 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 trip to the McDonald's was the local weekend trip and treat for us. And so by that time, I was already working for some of our other competitors that I'll, re- I'll you know, like make sure we don't say who those are. Right, we but, can't uh, say who those are. <laughs> <laughs> but I was already kind of working that the, the fast food circuit. And so a frat brother of mine, I'm a part of the one and only Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And so a frat brother of mine was like, hey, Brandon, Chick-fil-A across the street is looking for a marketing director role, I think you would be really good for it. You should go and apply. And as with most college students, I'm like, bro, I'm not trying to build a career out of working in fast food. Like you, you just don't do that. I'm in business school. I want to go to law school when I'm done. And like, that was it. So I thought I had it all planned and mapped out. Um, and I thought I was going to come to New York and work on wall street. That was mm-hmm. the ultimate goal for me. And so he kept giving me the peer pressure, like, no, dude, I, I really think you should go. So I eventually gave into the peer pressure. At the time, I was working at one of our competitors. I was the overnight supervisor across the street. 
And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go and apply. And here's what kind of attracted me more to Chick-fil-A. One, I, they put me through a series of five interviews just to, to work in the restaurant. And so to me, young, hot-headed college student, I'm like, uh, do they not see my resume? Da, 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 da. And yeah. um, so I was like, okay, challenge accepted. And they looked at my resume. They actually thought I fabricated it. They was like, no, you're too young. You haven't done all of this. And so they called my college band director and gratefully they was like, no, he, he's the real deal. <laughs> like you guys should definitely hire them. So man, I really, a lot of the credit goes to that college band director. Cause had it not been for him giving me a wonderful recommendation, I probably wouldn't have started with Chick-fil-A. And so they ended up hiring me, started off as a regular team member. That was their practice and principle was like, hey, we think you got leadership skills and capabilities, but for us, leadership is something that's earned. Um, and so we'll be more than happy to start you off as a team member. You get an opportunity to kind of earn respect, develop rapport with the rest of the team and work your way up from there. So I said, okay, challenge accepted. So for a period of about four months, I didn't trust the process. So I kept two jobs and I was literally... I would go in at 10 o'clock at night, get off at 6 a.m. at my first job, run across the street, change clothes. I'm like doing Superman moves here, putting right. on a, the Chick-fil-A uniform and opening up at 6.30 in the morning. And so I did that for about a period of three to four months. But within that time frame, I had quickly fallen in love with the brand as so many people are. And... Fast forward 2008, I get an opportunity to meet Dan Cathy, um, who recently just stepped down as our CEO um, to pass the baton along to his son, Andrew. And so I'm sitting at this leadership conference and I'm literally on front row in tears. And the whole essence of what he's sharing, the message is leadership is about how you serve others. It's a permission, actually, that's given to you. Um, and so I go back to my owner operator at the time. and I'm like, yo, tell me more about Chick-fil-A. I'm matriculating through business school. And here's what was so unique about my experience. I would leave production management class in business school and walk into work. And my boss would say, all right, Brandon, today I want you to learn how to do inventory. And I'm like, yo, no way. I just got done learning about that in production management wow. class. And so I had an opportunity to apply what I was learning in the classroom to real world experience. Hands and on. so, yeah, so I came back from that conference filled with so much excitement. And that's where my operator said, all right, I want to get you exposed to beyond the four walls of the restaurant. So I started doing grand opening. Chick-fil-A has this wonderful program uh, for college students that gives them an opportunity to kind of travel and train and open up new restaurants. And so I joined that and Chicago rolled around. And keep in mind, I'm still doing all of this while in And what college. age? What age are we talking about? Ooh, I'm probably, what, 20, 21? Uh, and so I I'm doing this at a very young age. And so I meet, here's where it, it started to become a game changer for me. I met another brother, someone that looked like me. So we, mm. Chicago at the time was a brand new market and uh, meet this guy by the name of Travell Harvey. He's awesome. He's now a, like an amazing franchise owner in the DC area. And he was working on the corporate side and kind of responsible for kickstarting these brand new restaurants and get an opportunity to serve under him on, a, on an assignment. I'm getting ready to leave. And he's like, all right, Brandon, what's next? And I'm like, same plan. I'm getting ready to graduate business school. I'm going to law school. And, and that's it for me. And so he was like, man, okay. I was really hoping that you would say you would follow Chick-fil-A. I, I think there's a lot more opportunities. I think you're really good at it. Maybe you should take a look at it. And so I'm like, thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> right. right. I, I got the blinders on of like, Oh, law school, New York, law school, New York. That's what I wanted Absolutely. to do. And so fast forward, I go back to Alabama after I left Chicago and I'm walking across the yard. Here's how God steps in, right? Because you, it's, it's funny. They, I, people say, if you really want to make God laugh, tell them what your plans are. And All so, yeah. And, and, and so 
I'm walking across the yard, my freshman year professor, I'm now a senior in college, and she stops me across, walking across the yard. She says, Brandon, her name was Dr. Shirley Jordan. She, she was like, you've been on my mind a lot lately. She reaches in her purse. She hands me this book by Dr. Ben Carson called Taking the Risk. Mm. And at that moment, Stop she right didn't... there. I yeah. Need to stop. For yeah. the little pen note. I yeah. love that. So, so far, exactly what you just said. What we heard so far, start young. Mindset. I took notes. I hope y'all mm -hmm. taking notes too. Take a risk and be open-minded. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you hitting it right on the head because that's exactly what was what what I was doing in that moment. So she hands me this book, "Taking the Risk" by Dr. Ben Carson, and at that time, Alabama State had just offered to pay for a master's in accounting. Travell had just kind of presented this opportunity in Chicago of like, "Yo, Brandon, you get ready to graduate, move to Chicago, learn under me. Let me teach you the ropes, like, and see where it can take you." But then there was also still this lifelong dream of going to law school. So I'm reading this book. And the essence of the book is oftentimes when we're assessing risk, where we, we think about what's the worst that can happen versus what's yes. the best that can happen. And so after reading this book, I said, OK, you know what? God, like my heart is already saying, like, follow Chick-fil-A. And so then I started processing. I started working through the scenarios. It's like, listen, I'm young enough. If I get to Chicago and it doesn't work, I can always come back pick up where I left off and continue to train. Like I believed in myself that much. Yeah. Um, and so that's literally what happened. 14 days after I graduated undergrad, I drove 14 hours straight to Chicago to start a brand new life. Didn't know a soul. It was a brand new market for us. And so I get there and I'm like, man, this is the worst, best case scenario of my life. And here's why. I get there. The guy that was supposed to be training me and teaching me the ropes corporate ends up pulling him and I'm like wow so now I'm in this brand new city don't know a whole lot of people support system is gone what am I to do and something just said do what you've always done and and that is to power through persevere you got this and so yeah yeah for two for almost two years I stayed in that market in the Chicago market and it was the some again another great decision because still ended up getting an MBA and it gave me an opportunity to kind of hone and refine my leadership skills while utilizing someone else's business as my own yes. laboratory, if you will. Absolutely. And so I, I think it's so important, right? There's this concept of learning from other people's mistake and or learning on someone else's dime, especially when they give you the opportunity to do that. And so yes. spent about two years in the Chicago market. And then I hit a wall. I said, man, I'm literally a semester away from graduating grad school, MBA in finance. And I'm like, okay, at this time, I've now kind of redirected and was like, okay, well, I've been with Chick-fil-A for a while now. Maybe there's some opportunity at the corporate office because I was like, I'm done in the restaurant. Like I did not see a light at the end of the tunnel. And is I love sharing that aspect of the of the story because it's real, right? Yeah. Like you you hit this burnout phase and and people at like as entrepreneurs and leaders like you can't get there. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's yeah. very real for us to hit those phases. And so I called one of my good mentors, Andre Kennebrew, at the home office in Atlanta. I said, Andre, man, I I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm getting burnt out. Um, and I said, are there opportunities at the corporate office for me to come back. I'm getting ready to graduate with my MBA in finance. Maybe I can start off in the finance department and work my way up. And now I'm like, oh, maybe I can be president of the camp uh, of the family of one day, president of a company one day. And so Andre's like, yeah, come on down. Uh, I interviewed for an accounting position. By the time I get done, they're like, nope, we don't see you sitting wow. at a desk crunching numbers. Like you actually, one, you got too much field experience. You got too much personality. I actually think you would be bored sitting at a desk crunching numbers all day. So he walks me down the hall, introduces me to um, uh, Mac and Hayward, who were the at the time directors and supervisors responsible for starting Chick-fil-A's like leadership development program and ended up joining that. So in 2012, joined Chick-fil-A's leadership development program and that was an opportunity for me to travel across the country, 
where I partnered with franchise owners to help them launch their businesses. And right. so I did so that for almost, yeah, did that for almost three years. Let's talk. That's amazing. So let's talk about leadership. It's a good way to segue. So you currently manage over 100 employees. How has your leadership style evolved over the years, especially with, you know, where you are today from where you started? How has it evolved? Mm, yeah. So if, if I would say the biggest influence that Chick-fil-A has imparted upon my life about leadership, one is just the principle about you lead yourself first in order to be a better leader, servant leader yes. for the people that ultimately you're hoping follows you, right? And so there's this concept of the law of the lid, which I'm paraphrasing here that essentially talks about your team, the people around you are only going to be as good as you allow them to be based on how continuously you grow and improve. So I, I put it like this. The day that I stopped learning and the day that I stopped growing myself, I could potentially indirectly put a cap and a lid on the other individuals who may want to learn and grow from me. Think about that. That's so applicable yes. in every aspect and walk of life. I, I, I look at that from a parent perspective and yeah. dealing with children is what more can you teach your children if you stop growing and if you stop learning, right? I look at it from my position as the owner operator and the several men and women that work for me in my organization. How can I continuously teach them about business and, and management if my cup isn't constantly fueled, right? Because I'm coming in every single day and I'm pouring that into them. And so over the course of the years, I've watched myself evolve and embrace this concept of like servant leadership. Because prior to then, I was ruthless. It was all about, no, leadership, you listen to me because I've been in an organization this long and I got right. seniority and I'm X, Y, and Z's age. And oh, none of that matters. It's about how are you serving and caring for these individuals? And so over the course of time, I've adopted this personal mantra around creating an environment of growth, stability, and exposure to new life experiences. And so I adopt that personally and that carries throughout in my organization. Um, so much so when I left Chicago and joined the LDP team, the leadership development program, spent three years there, finally the light bulb goes off. My boss calls me and is like, Brandon, Chick-fil-A is going to go to New York in a couple of years. And I'm like, God, is this you saying I get an opportunity to go to New York? I just need selling lots of chicken and not practicing law. And <laughs> right. so at the time that I was heavily interested in the New York market, it was still very underdeveloped. The, the runway in terms of opportunity was fairly long. And I was kind of, again, reaching another burnout phase of like, hey, I've been on the road for almost three years, literally 50 weeks out of the year traveling across the country. And so at the age of 26, I finally get that opportunity to open my first franchise in downtown Baltimore in a, in a harbor. Mm -hmm. And wow. so talk about leadership, growth, and I, I'll never forget, we opened in April of 2015 and talking about drinking water from a fire hydrant and just really showing up for that community Two weeks after we grand open and open our doors, we are faced with the Freddie Gray riots. Um, and so it was then in that moment when I looked in into the eyes, like you literally had to be there front and center to see everything. Yeah. I mean, especially if you can recall what just happened, you know, this past summer in 2021 uh, in 2020 with George yes. Floyd. Um, and so it's funny how the cycle has just repeated itself because I'm right here my location is directly across from the Barclays Center. And so that's the Epic Center at the central meeting place. And so God then was already preparing me for what we just went through. And it was in that moment that I realized and, and adopted that principle of like, my community needs to see more individuals like us. And they need to see that despite your circumstances, in spite of your, your environment, like hard will, grit, determination can take you a very, very long way. And Amazing. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, and that's one of the principles that I just try to instill in my leadership and my staff today is every single day we're going to get thrown a curveball. 
you never know when a guest is walking in and they may have a, a really bad day, but how much character do you have and power do you have to be able to say, I have an opportunity to make an impact and influence um, and, right. and do differently. And so I, I know that, that that was a long winded answer to a very short question of like, how has your leadership changed and evolved over the years? But it's been a very immersive, impactful experience uh, to be able to lead and, and, and serve the communities in which we impact every single day. I love that. No, that is amazing. And you're absolutely right. You know how, you know, when we talk about leadership, we're talking about leadership through activism. Right. And so mm -hmm. being that you did bring that up about, you know, the Freddie Gray riots and so forth. How was that leadership during that time period where you had to mm -hmm. perhaps console your employees? How was mm -hmm. that? Mm hmm. Oh, man. So I, I, I'll tell you a very defining moment. In it, right. This is Chop it up. Uh, chop it up, right? Real and talk. So, Real talk. <laughs> listen, I remember, I mean, because you guys saw it on the news. And in fact, we, the Barclays area was kind of probably the one of the first ones to just kind of explode, if you will. Yeah. And I remember that particular night. Um, I actually have a picture on my wall. On my wall. I wish I could show it to you guys. And so I'm, I'm standing there. I'm, a, I'm on guard. So I'm literally like, I'm not one of those absentee owners. Like, no, my team has direct access to me and I'm there uh, with them. And so I'm at the front doors and we're kind of monitoring it, right? I believe in everyone's right to peacefully protest and, and really speak their mind. And, and at first, that's exactly how it started. And so we are, we're, I'm at the front door allowing individuals and then just out of nowhere, you just start seeing like firebombs and everything. People just starting to, it it's, turns into complete pandemonium. And so in that moment, all I could think about is how am I going to stand firm? How am I going to protect the individuals, my team members that are in the restaurant and, and our guests? And so one of the things that I think kind of rattle the the NYPD was bringing in kind of like reinforcements from other different neighborhoods. And this is why yes. it's so important to build community relationships, right? Because I had a very good relationship with the police department that is our community, that is our community um, affairs. And so these particular individuals, man, they wanted access to our roof. And I was like, wow. no way. First of all, I, I see the tension that's happening between, you know, what's happening in the streets. And I said, you know, for the protection of my guests, no, like, no, like, yeah. I know my rights as a business owner. We're, you know, like, that's amazing, though. Decline. And so yeah. last minute, they wanted to kind of try to bombard and, and, and force, force their way in. And so it kind of rattled some of my team members and just having to console them in the in the midst of like fiery emotions of like hey sometimes you can't meet people where they are in order to de-escalate a situation right um that's real leadership right is yes. exercising the the constraint and the ability to say i i'm i'm gonna lead differently and I think that was a very powerful moment um, for my team to witness in, in that time. And that is also leadership and activism. Like you, you were saying that they wanted to access your location so that they can probably cause more harm or amplify the situation. And you actively got involved and you said, no, were you then supported by the umbrella um, company, your, your partners and so forth? Were you supported by the organization? Absolutely. It's always, yeah. I've never been in a situation where I felt unsupported. And so would uh, you say, would you say, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. go ahead. Would you say that that's key when you're working right now as people are looking for work and getting immaculated back into uh, work culture? Would you say that's key that we have to look for organizations that share our values? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I always tell people Oftentimes they think I'm coming in to interview to get the job when you really should have the mindset. I'm coming in to interview to understand if this this relationship is going to be a good match 
if, if my skill set, my values is going to be a good match in alignment with your organization and your core values. And so I, I tell people, anytime you're on a job interview, don't, don't walk in just with the mindset of I'm interviewing to get the position. No, you're interviewing, you're interviewing to see if this is a benefit altogether. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you said that, do you have maybe three tips that you can share with our listeners if they are in the phase of the employee stage, uh, maybe managers, or even if we have possible franchisee owners, what are your three tips would you say that they can develop? Yeah, absolutely. So what I would say, three tips, if you're looking for any type of type of leadership management position, particularly within my organization or the quick service, one, understand your why, right? Spend time understanding what your purpose. My journey will not necessarily be your journey and nor should you want it to be, right? So you got to spend time being able to articulate what your purpose and what your journey is going to be. Second thing that I would tell you to do is make sure that you are comfortable in articulating what your value is, right? So spend time understanding what you're going to be able to bring to the table and understanding how do you want organizations to support you, right? You have to be able to articulate that. And for those that have super high aspirations of wanting to be an entrepreneur and maybe one day start their restaurant uh, opportunity, what I would say is make sure that you truly understand that you want to own a restaurant. Oftentimes I get people that come in and they're glorified and they have the, they think like Chick-fil-A has this halo and it's like, yeah. no, we're not immune from what happens with other industry pressures, government regulations, all of those different things. Know your why, know your purpose and make sure that you truly want to be a restaurant tour because that's so important. That's amazing. It's funny you said that, Brandon, because last night I was listening to a young lady. She has a very successful PR firm out in L.A. and she did a TED talk. She spoke about entrepreneurship. Mm. And I wanted us to talk a little bit about that, because you know what? Entrepreneurship right now in this day and age, it's very saturated, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of folks want to be self-starters. A lot of folks want to work for themselves, plan their own schedule, right? We know that. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ironic that we are having this conversation because as I was researching a little bit about your background, I like what you said about this. And I'm going to quote, as a kid, I learned anything worth having is worth fighting for. And now as an operator of Brooklyn First Chick-fil-A restaurant, seeing it come full circle. While growing up, I started selling pickles, as you mentioned earlier, in my neighborhood of East Atlanta to help my family make ends meet. I got tired of the nose and we can't afford that right now. This motivated me to help my family and dream about all the ways I could assist in providing for them. Now, mm. you spoke about that, which I absolutely love because there is a facade now more than ever that entrepreneurship or the journey is easy. The mm. journey is luxurious, right? Mm -hmm. We have a lot of folks, especially social media. I swear to you, social media can be a good thing, as we know, and it can mm -hmm. be a bad thing because we mm -hmm. have a lot of young kids that are, or even people within our community that's thinking that I'm going to be the next rapper or I'm going to be the next, whatever the case may be, LeBron or whatever. And we have a, a fallacy of what entrepreneurship is. So mm -hmm. for me and for what the young lady said uh, at her TED Talk, she spoke about being an entrepreneur is more, it's deeper. It starts with, with characteristics that we don't even know that we exhibit. Like for you, you, it started at a young age. You were selling pickles. You already had that idea that it clicked that, no, I, I want to do something. I want to make something happen for my family. So I wanted to ask you, what are some steps or what, is some, what, are, what are some characteristics of a true entrepreneur? Mm, the very <laughs> first thing, you have to have a great deal of optimism because you are going to be faced with so many no's before you get to the first yes. And because of that, it goes back to the earlier point that I was making of knowing your purpose and your why. I've come across so many individuals that they get caught up in chasing the fame, the success, the, the hype and the money aspect of it. And 
it was like when all of that's gone or when all of that gets tough and you no longer can touch it and feel it and it's tangible, what's left? What's going to keep you in the game? Right. And, and that's that's one of the things in hindsight that I realized about my journey with Chick-fil-A was I could have went to any other franchise opportunity. I could have partnered with any other thing. One, because that's how much I believed in myself. But I also wasn't chasing a, a dollar. It was, you know, the success that we experienced or that I'm experiencing now is the byproduct of me chasing an opportunity to have an impact and be influential in with my team members and in the community. And therefore, the success is the reward that I reap from that. But it wasn't my why. And I wish you, you talk about social media. I wish we had more platforms that highlighted the journey more so than it does like that point of success. Right. Yes. Um, because we need other individuals to see if you don't have that grit, if you don't have the stamina to get hit and get yourself and pick yourself back up. Entrepreneurship is not for you. And right. no, you, you think, oh, entrepreneurship gives me an opportunity to, you know, like be careless with my time and be less focused and have more autonomy to do all of those things. Yes, but it also comes at a cost. And that cost is you being so detail oriented, so focused that you're building a team, you're casting vision, you're holding others accountable, but people are attracted to discipline. People are attracted to organization. People are attracted to structure. And that's what you need as an entrepreneur. And, and furthermore, a lot of things that I would say about characteristic entrepreneurship building is make sure that you have a, a team around you, right? I'm in therapy. I got spiritual counselors. I have like just friends, people that out that are not even in the industry that kind of sits on this circle of brand and support group because wow. it's not always just about sitting at a at a at a desk and, and crunching those numbers or trying to put together a, a marketing strategy or all of those different things because it's the other nuances of entrepreneurship that often people don't think about that makes or break how successful you're going to be. And then the Man. last thing I would say about that, I mean, cause it's so much that we can talk about. You dropping gems though, like gems. But, but I mean, but we chopping it up, right? So That's right. <laughs> you have to be able to come in and define your own area of success, right? Be very, very careful not to fall into this spirit of comparison because you, you may think you want what the other individuals have, but you don't know what that person has to do, what they got to give up, what they're sacrificing in order to get what they have. So make sure that you're able to define what success looks like for you and own it. Be very purposeful in that. You know what's so crazy? I'm so grateful that we even have this organic conversation mm. because honestly, and this is full transparency. Just last night, as I'm preparing for this conversation, because I like my conversation to flow, I got distracted. And that's the thing about, like you said, social media. I went on this page and one page led, led to the next page. And I'm looking at this page and I'm like, wow, they killing it. And I was just so mesmerized. And you're right. I started to compare. I'm like, well, why I don't have it? Da, 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 da. Mm. And I started. And immediately I had to be like, cut it out. I had to cut it out right now. But it's yeah. crazy because yeah. like I had to like, it's, it's so insane. But I say that to say, like you said, we got to really stop comparing. But it's hard though. We say mm. it, but we know it's hard, mm. right? It's because it's. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard, right? But yeah. it goes back to your own self-assurance. It's one thing to look at someone to see, oh, I wonder what they're doing so that could this something, is this something that I could potentially take, kind of put my own little spin on it and, and, and take it to the next level? Because that's another aspect of entrepreneurship. Everybody think they got to be the creator. I'm going to tell I you now, <laughs> I'm not the creator. I'm not creating chicken sandwiches, right? right. That's not right. my recipe. But right. 
I'm going to stick to my lane and I know how to corral a team to get behind a, a wonderful vision and inspire to serve a great tasting product, right? That's my lane. So I'm going to operate in my gift and that's what God has blessed me with. And it's okay to, it's okay to look to see like, okay, what could I be doing differently? But it's never okay to allow the spirit of comparison to steal your joy because mm. that is not what God has in store for you. Beautiful, man. You a preacher on the side, huh? No, no, no. <laughs> no, I, I Yo, think, but I got to give credit. You know, I got to give credit to where, to where credit is due. And oftentimes I sit down and I think like, man, God has placed me in a position to have a tremendous platform. And I just want to make sure that others know that it is, it's, it's, it's not by me. It's, it's by faith and it's by his grace. Amazing. So you know what? It's funny because we're talking a lot about kind of holistically about mentorship, right? Kind of indirectly. How big is mentorship for you? And are you part of any organizations? Yeah. So man, wonderful location, uh, wonderful organization that I'm a part of, uh, that I've now been a part of going on two years is the Gentleman Factory started here in Brooklyn um, by Jeff Lindor. Um, I know that very well. Just, yeah. Know them yeah. Very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah you had an guy. awesome event last night. Yeah. Uh, great brothers, man. Yes. Um, opportunity to just connect and a, a sponge. And what mentorship, mm, we're going we to go there real quick because I know you like T.D. Jakes, right? And so I'm listening to a T.D. Jakes podcast when, uh, a couple of months ago, and he's actually talking about the thought of I like mentorship. And one of the things that kind of stood out, again, paraphrasing, and he's like, one of the things I hate when people ask me about mentorship is they don't want to be real raw and, and honest, right? That's just like going to the doctor saying, fix me, but you don't want to tell them what hurts and where it hurts. Right. Right. So how dare you want to walk into a mentorship, but you don't want to be raw, real and honest. And that's what's so important because one, you're building a relationship, you're giving others an opportunity, opportunity to unbiasedly speak into what you can't see from the outside looking in. Um, and so we have to be okay with empowering others to do those type of things in a, in a position of mentorship. It gives me that opportunity to be clear, vulnerable, and say, hey, help me see the blind spots that I'm not necessarily seeing, all in hopes of me being a better individual. Can I... How can I better craft, you know, perfect my craft? How can I yeah. better position myself or whatever the case may be? And also mentorship should serve as a two-way medium. Yes. Right? Mentorship yeah. should serve as, as a, as a two-way medium. I, I tell people I, I long to be a, a student for life. And one of the best ways that I can kind of help fulfill that is through mentorship. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yo, I can listen to you all night. <laughs> that is amazing. Wow. I love that. So Brandon, cause you are busy. Like I know when we met, you were like hustling to go somewhere, but, um, how do you, and of course you, you manage a, a, an entire team. So how do you balance it all? How do you balance the professional with the personal? Is mm. there such a balance? I know it's yeah. a little different from men and women, but at the end of the day, there's something that's poor. How do you balance it? Yeah. So one, what I would tell people is like, you should grow up hearing this saying like, oh, keep your personal life outside of your personal life, your professional life. You're one right. in the same. Stop walking around like. You believe that you, though? These, uh -huh. you, it, I, I kind of do because you know, the thing that ties you, here's the thing. Here's the catch. Character. Your character is one of those things that should remain the same, no matter if it's through your personal life or your professional life, right? I think we, we kind of blend and, and misconstrue the concept of personal business and professional business, but who you are in your person, your character, those things are one and the same, right? And so for me, in, in terms of, of balancing everything, one, I ain't perfect. 
Two, I, you know, I, I try to, I empower people. We talk about that circle of friends and who's in that circle of like, Hey, help me when, when I'm going too far left or too far right, bring me back. Right. But you got to be able to make sure that you are, are building those trusted relationships. Right. I've heard some individual call it your, who are your trusted advisors, if you will. Um, and so what I also start off with me time every single morning. I, right. We talk about habits and creating balance. So about a year and a half ago, here's, here's a something simple that I started doing. Right. And I may be sharing a little bit too much, but, uh, <laughs> I started making my bed. Okay. I was reading this article and, uh, I think it was in Forbes magazine and it was just talking about like habits of highly successful people. Right. And one of those things is like starting your day with the win. And I was reading about how president Obama reduced his wardrobe because it just created clarity and space in his mental. Right. And, um, so one of the things I started, I started making my bed every single day. Right. You, you grow up, your parents try to you make you do it. And then as an adult, you kind of get away right. from it and then you get back to it. And so, nah, I still I make it. my bed. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, but here's why. Here's why, though. Right. I don't know. <laughs> so I started doing that because that was the first thing that made me feel accomplished, because oh. I realized when I walk out the door every single day, I can get hit with so many different curveballs. The, the, the list of things that I set out to accomplish, I may not even accomplish depending on what, what was thrown at me that particular day. But when I come home and I'm in my peace and the first thing and I open that door and I realize like, okay, at least I got one win in for today. And that was, I come home and I made up my bed and it's clean, right? And that's, it's something simple. Yeah. It's something simple that gets me going. Cause I tell you, when I when I when I don't do it, my whole entire day is thrown off. My whole entire day is thrown off. But along with that, that kind of catapults me into getting my day started as well, right? And so when I'm talking about I'm doing me, I make sure that I carve out like that ten minutes of meditation time or or just setting setting myself before I get ready to go out there and say, okay, what is it that I'm gonna tackle today, right? Um, so that's, so that's kind of my regimen. I guess we can agree. Ladies, if ladies, if you're listening to me, he's a bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> that, yes, that ladies. I am. Yeah. ladies, I got y'all. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Brandon, listen, I need you to save me some sauce. Okay. Because you guys got the best sauce bomb. And just in case you're looking for an ambassador, she's right here. All right? <laughs> she's right here. <laughs> so definitely. But Brandon, listen, it's such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so mm. much for joining yeah. me. Um, certainly, I really love this podcast. I think what we have is something beautiful. I think it's like you mentioned, um, how do we show, right, the struggle? How do we show the journey, right? And that's the reason why we decided to develop this podcast and have mm -hmm. these conversations. Mm -hmm. How do we show people that it's not easy, that it's it's very diverse and having thought leaders and people with diverse backgrounds. So thank you so much for being a part of Chopping yeah. Up. We really appreciate you. And as we close off, I wanted to ask you about the money. So let's talk a little bit about the money. You know, um, what is, how, what's the cost involved in terms of owning your own franchise? Yeah, so it, it varies depending on what franchise you decide to buy into. Uh, Chick-fil-A is fortunately one of the ones that has a lower kind of like buy-in startup fee. You guys can find more information at chickfilacom backslash the franchisee website page. Um, I've seen as low as $10,000 for some franchise opportunities, all the way as high as half a million and above, right? I think yeah. you got to figure out which one works best for you and where to start. And then also make sure that you have access to liquidity, right? Um, that's, so, that's so important. Everyone needs uh, that stash for a rainy day, if you will. And 
depending on what type of opportunity that you're trying to get into, your rainy stash may need to be a lot bigger than some others. Um, but most importantly, I think when you start to research these opportunities, look for companies that have really good financial stewardship. I think that's so important. Those are the individual companies that you want to get into partnership with are those that they have results, they have a proven business model, and they are clear and transparent on how they do business. That's so important. Amazing. For, in layman's term, because we have, you know, diverse, um, we have diverse, can you hear me, Brandon? Mm-hmm. We have diverse listeners. What is a franchise? So a franchise essentially is an opportunity or a model, a business model in which there's a proprietor. They may have a product, they may have a process, or they may have a system in which they decide to license out. Meaning you as a franchisee, you go to this particular franchisor and say, hey, I would like the right to either sell your services or be a part of your product or be a part of your business model. And so you don't necessarily own the intellectual or the, the, the process behind it, but you are essentially going and temporarily borrowing, right? You're purchasing the rights to utilize that said system products or in order to build your own financial foundation or financial gain, if that makes sense. Wow, that's amazing. So, mm -hmm. you know, I noticed that a lot of people are into franchising. We have a lot of celebrities. I think Rick Rocks, Rick, Rick Ross, he has a few franchi franchises mm -hmm. and so forth. What would you say in terms of black wealth, building wealth, legacy building, would you say franchise, being a franchisee owner is something good for the black community? Being that, you know, we don't necessarily, like you mentioned, we don't own the intellectual brand. Is that a yeah. good option? Yeah, so I would say it's one option, right? And, and I think it's a good option, but it ultimately boils down to who you are. Oftentimes, some of the advantages of having a franchise is that you're already buying into a built-out proven product and or system versus right. going to you know, build brick and mortar. Your runway to build and gain that level of success, however you define it, it could be light years away versus, oh, let me buy into this franchise. They already got a trusted product. They already have a brand. They already have a huge following. I just got to go in and, and execute, right? So it depends on what type of entrepreneur you want to be. Neither one is bad. And both, I would say, equally provide you the same kind of opportunity. Timing may be a little bit different, but it's also based on how deep and dirty you want to get. I told you guys earlier, like, I don't have a whole lot of patience. I don't have a whole lot of patience to sit down and try to figure out and develop something from scratch. That's just not my forte. That's not my gift. Can I buy into something? Can I look into something that gives me the opportunity to sprinkle a little bit of this and a sprinkle a little bit of that and make it my own and, and, take off from that trajectory versus, oh man, I, I got this idea. I don't know where to get started. I don't know where to do this. There are so many different ways in which you can get into entrepreneurship. And it's not just about you starting something from scratch. I think that's probably one of the biggest myths that we have in our community is that, oh, we got to start something from scratch. No, you don't. Yes. No, you don't. That's because right. think about this. If everybody started something from scratch, right? If everybody was blessed with that same gift and talent, who is left to go and build what you think you need to start from scratch? That's right. Yeah. I love it. That's a really yeah. good way to look at it. Yeah. Awesome. Man, listen, you got to come back. You got to chop it up more okay. with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank I you appreciate so you guys having me. Yes. Well, we are now a part of the Daily uh, Gospel Network. We are super happy to be a part of uh, this amazing family. So we cannot- yeah, so Congratulations. Thank you so much. We cannot conclude without asking you, and this is a final uh, question. Before we get there, I actually got a fun fact for you. Is that okay? Can I ask yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, awesome. I actually wanted to ask you this. If you can go back in time, if you can go back in time, who would you like to have lunch with? If you can go back mm. in time. Yeah. <laughs> if I can go back in time and have lunch. Why I got to go back in time? Why I can't be somebody to date? Yeah, well, it, it, nobody today. Yeah, okay, go, 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 <laughs> let me let me go back in time. Um, definitely, I, I would love to have. I actually would like to have lunch with both Malcolm X and Dr. King all at the same table. Like yes. I'm talking about <laughs> chowing down on some fat back collard greens and, and net bones and, and mac and cheese and really just chop it up with those two individuals, those, those brothers. And man, I, I think that that would be awesome. Right. Yes. Um, and oh to go back and, and just pick their, their brains. Like it's, it's one thing to read about them, but to hear it from them. Um, that's one, two individuals that I would love to go back and talk to. I'll be right there with you. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Awesome. So as we conclude, and I think you kind of alluded to that earlier, how imperative is faith? And how has your faith uh, guided you through your journey? How has your faith guided you through your professional and personal journey? Mm. So I grew up in a, in, in a Baptist home. Um, and I remember like, I had a lot of women, like my, my mother, my grandmother, my aunt, um, and, and then to my uncles, uh, devout Christians in their faith. And there's just something about their prayers that covered me and that instilled mm -hmm. a, a ounce of, uh, of faith in me that keeps me going. There's a, a, a place of solitude in faith that provides me that moment of being leveled, mm. that, that moment of bringing peace, right? Um, there are so many things that, and I, like you said, I got to come back, right? Because yes. if, I, if I sat and told you some of the like spiritual like moments that God has spoken into, like I, I, I'll go ahead and share one because I know you got to get off, right? And when I think about faith, I remember my mom knew when she was about to pass the week before and, and no one else could tell she, she wasn't outside looking in. You can tell she was sick. She had just lost weight. Doctor was saying she's doing good. Da, 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 da. But the week before she passed, she brought me and my brother into her room and I'm sitting at the end of the bed like this, you know, as a kid, like I'm yeah. 11, 12 years old. And so she's like, she's talking that, you know, like, Hey, if I were ever to pass, here's who you would go to insurance. I'm like, it's going in one ear and out the other. And the very next week, it was on a Wednesday night, she was studying for Bible study and she was gone. That's when I found her. And fast forward, right? I That traumatized me for a long time. And so um, when I was adopted by my aunt, who I now call my mom, so she kind of raised me and my grandmother as well. And so I remember my grandmother was um, diagnosed with stage four cancer. And this was in 2014. And so in hindsight, I never forget. So I was on my last assignment and my boss from Chick-fil-A calls and was like, Brandon, we know everything that's going on with your grandmother. Do you want to go ahead and end your assignment sooner and go home and be with family? And I was like, no, nah, Christmas is in the next two weeks. I'll be able to finish. I get off that phone. God speaks to me and was like, boy, you need to be, you need to get your butt home. And so I pick up the phone and what I was doing, really, I was trying to run away because he had already told me was like, I'm getting ready to bring your grandmother home and you're going to be the one with her. I was trying to avoid that because I had found my mom. And sure enough, I get home Monday night. She passed away Wednesday, 3.52 a.m. And guess who it was? Just her and I. And in hindsight, what Faith was doing, it was already saying, Brandon, I had already prepared you with that. Because of out of all my grandmother and granddad had nine children. How in the world was it just me 
and her. Yes. Right. But that's only that's only two instances. I can tell you time and time again. You for those that are listening, you may not even believe may be a believer. But when you hear stories like that of like favor and direction, it would make you want to believe. It would make you want to believe. And that's honestly wholeheartedly why I believe God has given me a platform and why he's placed me in the places that he has. And he has. And you're doing phenomenal. Keep inspiring. Keep motivating us. Thank you so much, Thank Mr. You. Hurst. Thank you I for joining. It. Yes. yes God ma'am. bless you. Thank, Thank you. you for chopping it up with us. Absolutely. I'll be back to chop it up some more. You better. You guys, I want you guys to like this episode. Please comment. We love to get your voice notes. As you guys know, you can find us on YouTube. Y'all see our, we got merch now. We got merch. Brandon, we got merch. Oh, okay, okay, let's go. Okay. <laughs> you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, of course, Apple Podcasts. And now we're airing exclusively with the Daily Gospel Network. Again, guys, like, comment, and share this episode. Brandon, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Be well. Absolutely.